This is the Old Radio Show's podcast. Call all hands. Beat the quarters. Come out the guns. Stand by this tavern battery. One broadside into it, if you please, Captain Bush. Pointers on target. Lint stops ready. Aye, aye, sir. Ready. Fire! <laughs> Michael Redgrave as C.S. Forrester's Indomitable Man of the Sea, Horatio Hornblower. Nothing to look forward to save marriage. What do you hope to do when you at last retire from the sea? Oh, my wants are very small, ma'am. A few acres, a cottage, a few shelves and books. If I can scrape together a couple of thousand pounds in prize money before I retire, <laughs> I shall be well content. You have no children? None. Uh, now. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, please. Please don't apologize. I, um, I should like to tell you, ma'am, my son and daughter died in their mother's arms in a South Sea lodging house. Yes, <clears throat> the smallpox was rife that year. Oh. But you will not remain childless, Captain. I felt mean and disloyal because the vision of my wife, Mariah, rose before my eyes. Mariah short and tubby with a tendency to spots. Mariah in her flannel night shift and curl papers. Mariah arguing with a lodging house keeper. Although the death of our children had drawn us closer for a time, sea is a hard taskmaster and perhaps the enforced separations were for the best. For we seem to have little in common these days. 
I fear I have been impertinent. Oh, no. No, no not at all, ma'am. No, it's a relief to speak of such things to somebody who understands. But, but um, it's late, ma'am. The night air's cool. I fear you may take a chill. Uh, <clears throat> morning, Mr. Bush. Well, another fine morning. Good morning, sir. Uh, beautiful weather, but no wind. No. Those men of mine are getting fat and lazy. There's too little for them to do. Well, they've earned a short rest, and there'll be plenty for them to do when we get down to the horn. Already I've noticed the Southern Cross showing higher in the sky each night. Ah, oh, good morning, Lady Barbara. Good morning, Captain. Well, I trust you've slept well. Mm, like a child, thank you. Good. Uh, what are those men watching on the lee side there? Oh, look. Do you see that? It's a fish of some kind. Yeah. There, that sort of blue-gray shadow. It's a shark, ma'am. They abound in these latitudes, and when there's no breeze, they follow a ship for the titbits from the galley. Look, there's another. Oh, horrible creatures. Did you never try a shark steak, your ladyship? Makes a pleasant change from salt pork and weevilly biscuit. I prefer to take your word for it, Mr. Look, Bush. Mr. Bush, it occurs to me that if your hands are idle, we might give them something to do and uh, show her ladyship some sport at the same time. Pass the word for Midshipman Savage, will you, and send the boatswain after. Oh, what are you going to do, Captain? Catch a shark, ma'am. It'll amuse the hands, give them an addition to their diet, and provide a new experience for you. You want to be, sir? Yes, Mr. Savage. Would you care to cast a hook and see if you can bring a shark aboard? Oh, rather, sir. Thank you, sir. I'll rig a line right away. I'll then, rig a tackle forward. If Mr. Savage hooks one, we'll pass the line to you and your men, and you can haul it aboard. All right, sir. Thank you, sir. You will not bring it aboard here, I hope. <laughs> I have made every kind of human shark at court and other places, uh, but then I'm more used to dealing with that sort of shark. <laughs> no, ma'am, no. The, the men will take it forward. Ah, here's Savage with the line. Oh, what a dreadful-looking hook. And what's the length of chain for? Well, a shark's very powerful, your ladyship. You have to have a hook at least a foot long or it wouldn't hold. And we use several feet of chain before we bend the line on. If it was lying right to the hawk, he'd just bite through it. A lump of pork, sir, for bait. Shall <coughs> I lash it on, sir? Yeah, uh, yes, with wire, not cord. Good. Uh, may I cast now, sir? Carry on, Mr. Savage. Look at the men, Lady Barbara. They're lining the rail as though it were a regatta. This is better than a holiday for them. Look at the way he darts sideways and twists. 
Murphy. Lead your lines on the tackle there. Uh, stand by to heave him aboard. But, but he's dead. See, he's floating on the surface. He ain't dead, begging Lady Shipfordy. Cunning sharks. He's only playing dead. He'll show plenty of life in a minute. Yes, you'll be amazed at the way a shark hangs on to life, ma'am. I've seen one still alive after hanging from a deck tackle for, oh, 12 hours. Once if I was on, we took the inside right out of one and threw the carcass back in the sea. And swoke me if it didn't flop on top of the water until its mates got it. Oh! Get forward, Boston, and listen. I'll have none of your butcher's tricks with that creature. It'll be dispatched quickly. Look, I'm not a sentimental fool, Captain, as you know, but I do dislike wanton cruelty. Yes, ma'am. Why are seamen so savage with sharks? Well, sharks are seamen's natural enemy, you see, ma'am. They're terrible monsters. Most seamen have seen or heard of what sharks will do to a man, and I suppose they've got a kind of muddled idea of, well, revenge in their heads. I'll have none of it on my ship. They're ready at the tackle, sir. Now, here, boy. comes up out of the water now. Oh, he is a big brute. Look at those jaws. Hear them snap. Oh, I've never seen a shark so closely before. What a ghastly-looking monster. Yes, look at his tail. One flip of that tail, ma'am, would stove a man's ribs in. Up with him and inboard, lads. So, press him up. Stand clear, you fools, or I have some of you yet. Stand clear. Stand clear. footer at least, sir. That shark without orders, not in Benson. Who gave permission for you to leave your galley? And what are the embers for, hmm? Thank you, pardon, sir, but we always give sharks a feed of odd ashes. You know, the ship's opinion, sir. Cook's privilege, sir. Yeah. didn't know, sir. I didn't have time to pass on your orders. This is one ship, Benson, where the cook has no privileges. Throw the embers overboard and get back to your galley. Aye, aye, sir. Mr. Bush, we would enough to send a midshipman forward to supervise those men. Aye, aye, sir. Ah, there's Webster. Mr. Webster. See that that shark is killed instantly and properly. Perhaps, Lady Barbara, it would be better if you went below. Stand back there! Wilson! Bates! Hurry! Fetch your carpenter's balls! Oh, wait, wait. I believe the thing's dead already. Oh, don't go near him, Webster. He may be shamming. For heaven's sake, you know, Lisa! Look out! Mr. Webster! Oh, 
They're torn to pieces. No, not if Savage can splash about enough to he'll hold them off till the cupboard and start the cowards. No! Where's the... They've got him! No! Savage is there! Got us away, sir! Good. Oh, bless your pole! Savage is holding him up! He's unconscious! My word, look at those ugly brutes! Sergeant, get your Marines to fire their muskets into the sea around those men. But for heaven's sake, use only your best marksman. All right, Bob! If he can hold on for another minute, the cutter will be there. That's better. They're shearing off. Oh, lovely shot! They hit one. And there's the cutter! There's the Savage had been only just in time. The shark which had reached Webster had taken his left hand off as though with a razor. In another moment would have seen the young midshipman torn to pieces by the others. Yet discipline is discipline, and Savage had defied me. Mr. Savage, you will go below and change your clothes. Aye, aye, sir. Afterwards, I'll have something to say to you about orders. Did you hear me forbid you to dive? I, I, yes, sir, but... That will do. I'll have my orders obeyed on this ship. You may go below. Aye, sir. Captain, I know how important discipline is, but that boy was magnificent. I do hope you will not be too severe. I think, ma'am, you should go below also. Our shark is to be killed, and in view of what has happened, I shall also retire. There is a time to restrain men and a time to leave them alone. After that episode, there was no more shark fishing, and shipboard routine settled down into its normal monotony. Day after day, we ran south until the sun began to be hidden in gray clouds. Gales sprang up, and we ran before them down to wicked Cape Horn. But the west-to-east passage of the Horn gave us no trouble, and it seemed no time at all before we were rounded to the Atlantic and shaping our course for St. Helena while the northern spring came down in the track of the sun to meet us. Stow away those decks, me hardies. They're not like snow before we sight St. Helena. I'll have the skin off your backs. Ah, I can almost smell land, sir. But the wind seems to be dying on us. Yes, we'll have a calm in a couple of hours, if I'm any judge. Ah, good morning, Lady Barbara. Good morning, Captain. Uh, pleasant night, I trust. Oh, a wonderful night, Captain. I spent it dreaming dreams. Oh, yes, so did. Uh, <coughs> yes. yes, lovely, lovely dreams. Mostly of eggs. Eggs? Uh-huh. Fried eggs and buttered eggs. <laughs> and slices of white bread spread thick with butter. <laughs> and cafe au lait. And believe it or not, cabbage. Plain boiled cabbage. I sympathize with you. <laughs> For myself, long years at sea have trained me not to allow myself such dreams. Oh, but it's fun. I wasn't quite extravagant enough to run to a puree of spinach, <laughs> but I'd nearly attained a dish of young carrots when Hebe brought in my black coffee and weevily maize bread. <laughs> and your steward sent to ask whether I'll take beef or pork for my dinner. Today I think I start on the seventh brother of that pig whose chops I first tasted at Panama. <laughs> I know his breed by now. <laughs> <laughs> Lady Barbara's healthy craving for food had the effect of banishing my tormenting passion, at least for that day. And so it was all the more of a shock to me when, in the half-light of the evening, 
a crisis leapt upon us. I had come into the main cabin at the time when I thought her on deck, and as I apologized for my intrusion, we stood cramped between the table and the locker, and, and my hand accidentally brushed her bare arm. Captain. Oh, I beg your pardon, ma'am. Oh, my dear. Oh, my sweet. Hold me. Tighter. Oh, my own dear love. Barbara, Barbara, my dear. I, I've dreamed of this. I, too. Kiss me again. Again. Never let me go. What is it, Hebe? What do you want? <clears throat> Go away, Hebe. I, I shall not want you yet. What? Barbara, what are we to do? Do? We, we are lovers and the world is ours. But We do as we will. Yeah, but, my dear, you do not understand. The captain of the ship is not as unobserved as you think. My officers are... My dear, look at me. Yes. No, no, look, come. Look into me. Look into my eyes. Do you not love me? I love you with my heart and soul. Well, then what is troubling you? Tell me, my love. I... Barbara, I am a married man. I know that. Will you allow that to interfere with... with us? I don't know that. It's... Now, do not worry about Hebe. She is safe. She worships me. Nor would she dare to be indiscreet. I... Barbara, my darling, I... I cannot... Please have the kindness, Captain, to open that door for me. He listened courteously to my report. By word, Holmgar, you have had a time. And you stood up to a 50-gun two-decker and sank her. Wonderful. And you were Wellesley on board. We must tell Lady Manningtree of this. Yes, sir, uh, may I be excused, sir, to pay my respects to the governor? You can do that here. His Excellency and his lady are aboard my flagship. Indeed, sir. Also the Earl and Countess of Manningtree and Sir Charles and Lady Wheeler. Ah, Lady Manningtree, this is Captain Hornborough of the frigate Lydia. He's brought Lady Barbara Wellesley with him from Darien. And you left her aboard that little ship? The, the poor lamb. She must not stay there another moment. Sir James, you must excuse me. 
I will not have a moment's peace until she is comfortably in the cabin next to mine on board the Hanbury Castle. When women take charge, Captain Hornblower, it's best for men to stand from under. Yes, sir. You're a state of breakfast, of course. Uh, thank you, sir. How'd you get on with Lady Barbara? They're a stiff-necked family, I'm told. Uh, <clears throat> I, I found her ladyship most gracious, sir. She'd better finish the journey to England in the Hanbury Castle, and you're the company of the convoy. Yes, sir. She'll have more comforts there. I expect you've all been on pretty short commons. Pretty short, sir. Uh, her ladyship's great passion at the moment uh, seems to be food, sir, and uh, <clears throat> in particular, eggs. <laughs> Horatio Hornblower, starring Michael Redgrave, is based on the novels by C.S. Forrester. Music composed and conducted by Sidney Torch. Produced by Harry Allen Towers.